So we want to destigmatize the conversations around mental health and suicide prevention by introducing them into our safety program and our safety topics. You're listening to What's Work Got to Do With It, a podcast about workplace safety, health, and well-being from the Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences and the Oregon Healthy Workforce Center at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. Today, host and new podcast team member Nicole Guilfoy will discuss with our guests on mental health and suicide prevention for construction, trade, and craft workers. We are joined today by Stephen Frost, Site Safety, Health, and Environmental Manager for a general contractor that is one of the largest construction firms here in Portland, Oregon. Stephen is a leader in our region who advocates not only for workers' physical safety, but he also works tirelessly to protect and promote mental health and suicide prevention in the construction industry. The construction industry has one of the highest suicide rates compared to other industries. In 2016, the suicide rate for men in construction and extraction occupations was almost twice the total suicide rate for civilian working men between the ages of 16 to 64 years old in 32 states, and five times greater than the rate for all fatal work-related injuries in the construction industry in 2018. Stephen Frost joined the construction safety world after going back to school at the age of 25 and received a master's in environmental studies. He also obtained a certification in construction management as well as certifications in leadership in energy and environmental design with advanced credentials in building design and construction. Additionally, Stephen is a certified construction health and safety technician, associate safety professional, and a certified safety professional. Over the course of his career, he has made many contributions to local training programs. And one area in particular that Stephen felt drawn to is mental health and its impacts on the construction industry. Construction is the second highest at-risk occupation group that sees mental health issues, many of which lead to suicide. So Stephen has made it a mission to help reverse that statistic. He believes in creating a culture where people listen and are prepared to start the conversation. He has now created a well-being module that incorporates tools and resources that the construction industry can use to bolster their physical and mental well-being. Stephen believes that we can drive down both injury and suicide rates in construction by focusing on physical and mental well-being. Stephen says, by providing a culture of care and concern, we can support the workforce to gain their buy-in and also train and strengthen our industry so we are both safer both on and off the job site. Stephen Frost, thank you for joining us today. You've been advocating for supportive work cultures in the construction industry, especially when it comes to mental health and suicide prevention. Let's start by describing what you do, and then we can move on to what you'd like to share with our listeners today. Sure. I want to let everybody know that our company has a suicide prevention program that encourages us to start the conversation about suicide and mental health, especially with workers who may be experiencing a crisis moment or maybe struggling with something internally. Uh, Not only that, we discuss the topic of suicide prevention and mental health well-being resources as part of our safety topics. So we want to destigmatize the conversations around mental health and suicide prevention by introducing them into our safety program and our safety topics. I let people know that about the program during orientation, we discuss it in toolbox talks at our site-wide meetings. And uh, I also train others to start the conversation if they choose to participate. So this conversation begins at the very beginning of a worker's employment and continues all the way through consistently. Is that right? That's correct. It's it's something that we don't want to be 
overbearing about, but we work it into the topics and the conversations and we let people know uh, with signage on the site that there is somebody there to talk to them if they need it. And there's no reason to suffer in silence that we have a program that is uh, there for them and, and they can be reminded of that initially at the orientation. We uh, hand out stickers and then the postings through the site. And then we also every once in a while, maybe once a month or every 8th week or so, I'll do a toolbox talk on mental health, EAPs, suicide prevention, uh, just to work it into the conversation and, and make it seem like it's not such a, a, a bad thing to talk about uh, that you don't have to be overly sensitive and that we can start these conversations in a comfortable professional manner. So really created a, a supportive work environment around mental health. You talk about construction risk factors. What do you mean by that? What are those risk factors and what makes them important for construction workers in particular? It was the term that I was introduced to when I attended a suicide prevention summit uh, hosted by the Construction Financial Management Association. Uh, risk factors are basically sources of stress that aren't unique to the construction industry per se, but they are present and they compound with each other and stuff that um, maybe under the surface, maybe people are dealing something with in their personal life. And then when they're, when they add in work pressure, it can become overwhelming for people. Things like schedule pressure, alternating shifts, physical pain, and sometimes it can be the culture of a company or a job site or even a crew. Uh, the industry as a whole is known for being tough and working hard. When we have that type of environment, uh, not a lot of people are willing to show that they are struggling with something or that they're show that they're vulnerable. They're, they have trouble being vulnerable. Maybe they're not taught that. Maybe uh, they feel like they'd be made fun of, uh, but we want to break down that and we want to tell everybody that the, cu the culture is uh, shifting, right? So whether it's a personal issue or something every, even very serious, it's not something that people are willing to talk about to their peers or for their supervisors. So I like to provide an option for them to maybe while I'm walking by or some of our staff is walking by and they have the indicator on their hard hat that they've been trained, they can just have a conversation. And if it turns into something a little more in depth, then we create a safe space and we have a, a further discussion. That's great, Stephen. Thank you. What are some of the protective factors that can help reduce our risk for mental health and crisis and suicide? Protective factors are the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis to help cope with stress and to kind of recover and remain resilient. So there, they are things that we can learn to be more self-aware and emotionally intelligent. They are skills we can use to identify our trigger points and combat the negative things or stress that have an effect on us. Even participating in healthful habits and practicing good hygiene, getting good quality sleep, hydrating properly, exercising, engaging in hobbies, can also have a positive effect on both your physical and mental health. And it shouldn't be something that you wait once a year to take a vacation. These are things that uh, you can you can do on a daily basis or even during the work shift that if you uh, take care of yourself and, and participate in healthful things, uh, it won't have a negative outcome as, you know, if someone were to self-medicate or uh, drink after work to kind of cope with the day, that's that's not a healthy thing. Uh, we want to promote stuff that's healthy and have a positive effect. 
uh, organizations can have the conversations about wellness programs regularly, looking uh, at offering services like EAPs, which are employee assistance programs, or in some companies, they call them member assistance programs. They can create wellness challenges, provide them resources and encourage user participation, ask them for what they need uh, help with and what services they would use. As far as who's driving the initiative, uh, you'll get more buy-in from employees if their upper management delivers the message. So if they understand that someone uh, that upper management supports that, they are more willing to participate. It really it really does help that um, employees are feel empowered and supported to participate in their own health at work. Uh, peer support is also key, especially in the field. If you can share success stories from coworkers and promote positive outcomes from these programs, that combined with upper management support will have the greatest influence on a culture and the success of an, uh, of the initiatives. Some of that, you know, if, if there's someone in the field, say there's an apprentice, someone who's just starting out in construction, if they can have a conversation with their supervisor, if they notice a change in their supervisor and they can say, hey, uh, how's everything going? You, you you don't seem like yourself today. Is everything okay? Then we've arrived. That's the driving force behind that cultural shift. Your idea of a supportive workplace feeds right into what we do here in the area of total worker health, which is basically the approach of shaping workplaces to become safe, supportive, and allow workers to thrive on and off the job. In the long run, how can construction and craft worker groups sustainably create a mental health and suicide prevention initiative and truly have it become part of the culture and mission? What advice do you have for small and closely held businesses with limited resources and staffing for employee programs? Well, for long-term uh, success, I would, I would just keep having the conversations, you know, put it on the forefront and make them timely, but just keep reiterating that we have the support, we have the resources, uh, work with other stakeholder groups and employers so that the workforce hears the same message from all of the industry, from the unions, from the companies, from the general contractors. Uh, if they keep hearing the same message from both their employers and their peers, it's more possible for a worker with a mental health situation or a that may be in a crisis moment to know exactly where to reach out uh, to if they need help, it becomes part of their plan. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I know I am overwhelmed. I'm self-aware enough, and then I am able to reach out because the resources are on the wall of the stair tower, or uh, someone has given me a sticker with the crisis number on it, or I know my EAP, and I have um, an app on my phone because we had a toolbox talk about it. So as far as closely held businesses, that this advice would hold true for them as well. There are a lot of support services and resources that are absolutely free. Gathering those resources and working with agencies to pull them together doesn't take much. It can start with uh, creating a plan for your company that outlines resources and just making them available. Keychains, uh, pop sockets, flashlights, wallet cards, stickers, anything that has a support line number on it. Um, any kind of swag that you can get together with that. I mean, it really does go far. And I remember I was talking to somebody and they asked me for the support line and I, I blanked for a minute, but then I pulled out my keys because I had something on my keychain. It's that easy. Uh, I remember also a company I worked for, we had a local bike challenge in the area and I got on a bicycle for the first time in a while and I commuted to work. So I did 19 miles 
every day uh, for a few days a week. It, it was really um, a great experience. I lost a bunch of weight. I was healthier for it. And it was something that I wanted to participate in and, and I was competitive with for my, my company. Uh, but I wouldn't have done that if our company didn't send out that challenge. So I think that was absolutely wonderful. Th those kinds of initiatives can really be the um, catalyst for people to make a change in their life and start picking up something that's healthful and something that will help them and build themselves physically and mentally so they can be more resilient in the face of negative pressure. Wow, thank you, Stephen. Well, drawing together our conversation today, you've made it really um, clear and understandable to us that you know, consistency in your messaging and consistency in a high level of employee support is really important. And certainly leadership buy-in is too. It's also important for employees to know the resources and support mechanisms that already exist for them through things like their health plan benefits, EAP programs, and financial support uh, programs. As we draw this episode to a close, we'd love to have some takeaways for our listeners. If there could be one or two things to really latch on to as an employee, supervisor, or a business owner, what would it be? I think it would be to look internally and see what you or your company can do using limited resources. Then look at what you can gather, whether it's for yourself or your company, a resiliency plan, training programs, support service phone numbers, uh, even a crisis management plan that, that lets you know what to do in the face of someone that comes into your office and says, hey, I'm experiencing a, a, a crisis moment or I'm having thoughts of suicide, being prepared and running uh, kind of drills for that and being better prepared can help. Do the research and start your resource base. Be the resource for people, be there to listen, let them know where to go if help is needed and let them know that you're there and you care about them, that it's not just about getting to the finish line, that it is about the journey with that person and making sure that we look at everybody holistically. And if there's something in their personal life that's affecting them at work or they need some resources, we can reach out to them and be that resource. Most of all, be kind, practice empathy, and be proactive. Build yourself up by practicing self-care and participating in habits that have a positive effect on your mental and physical health. Then have a plan for if things start to have a negative effect on you and you can't pull through on your own. Be self-aware enough to realize when that's happening and be strong enough to reach out for help. You know, if, if you know the resources, taking that first step may be the most difficult, but if you help, if you need help taking that first step, reach out to somebody that's there for you. You can go through it together because it really does take a village. Uh, talk, talk therapy, peer support programs, employee assistance programs, or even the crisis line number, they are all there for you. And if you need help calling them, reach out and just say, hey, you know, we're in the industry where we all help each other and we all build things and we build each other. There's somebody out there that can help you. There are many ways to get through um, a moment, but alone is not one of them. You know, there are people waiting to hear from you 24 seven and be a resource for you. My other bit of advice would be to, if you are gonna make a change, you don't want to take a giant leap and and not have uh, success. So I start off, and with this program that we have, we started off slowly, incrementally, and just having the uh, conversations little by little until we got rolling and really started to train people, posting stickers, magnets, toolbox talks, and then a full-on training. Uh, because it, 
to make a change for the better, if you, you know, like a New Year's resolution, if you go and say, I'm just going to go on a diet tomorrow, that's probably going to last a month or, you know, two weeks or so. But if you do make minor changes for the long term, that's where you can start to build and that's where you're going to have the most success. Thank you, Stephen Frost, for joining us today and sharing with our listeners all the important work you do. And for our listeners, if you or someone you know is struggling in crisis or affected by suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is toll-free and connects the caller to their local certified crisis center. 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK. Thank you to Nicole and Stephen on an important discussion on mental health and suicide in construction. We will be linking all of the resources uh, that Stephen has mentioned in our show notes, as well as additional resources that Stephen recommends if your organization is interested in learning more. And don't forget that we also have a resource website called yourworkpath.com that houses all of our total worker health, our safety, health, and well-being toolkits and tools where your organizations can access, and most of them are free. And those resources include um, health impact safety guides, our toolbox docs, and our toolkits that are relevant to multiple industries that help support organizational change in regards to supervisor and manager support in terms of work-life balance for employees and how to better support the workforce in terms of safety and well-being. So I will definitely share all of that information in the show notes if you are interested. And also, new for 2021, we are offering drop-in sessions for organizations to learn more about these resources on yourworkpath.com. This drop-in session takes place at the end of each month, the last Tuesday, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific time. In addition to that, we offer one-on-one sessions for organizations wanting to learn more about our resources. So feel free to visit yourworkpath.com to find out information on how you can schedule that, as well as to reach out to us via chat or email on any questions. And we definitely are able to help point you in the right direction. We are here to help and to provide resources and education in workplace safety, health, and well-being. I also wanted to just say from both the Institute and the Center, we greatly appreciate you joining in and tuning in and listening to our podcast. The last couple of years, we are in year three of our podcast series, and we had such a great time um, learning more about all these various topics in terms of occupational sciences and improving workplace safety, health, and well-being. And we will continue to put out content and invite our community members to have an open conversation in how we can um, engage and make the workplace a safer and healthier place for all. You're listening to What's Work Got to Do With It, your go-to resource on all things workplace safety, health, and well-being. This podcast series invites you into the conversation as we discuss how our workplace conditions like work hours, occupational stress, job safety, and other issues affect our lives at work and at home. We go into the science behind it all and talk about what we can do to reduce work-related risk and promote well-being. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is a production of the Oregon Institute of Occupation Health Sciences and Oregon Healthy Workforce Center and is produced by myself, Helen Shuckers, 
Nicole Guilfoy, Sam Greenspan, and Anjali Ramesh Baru. Do you have an idea for a podcast episode? Well, we want to hear from you on important workplace issues that you would like to discuss. Email us at occhealthsci at ohsu.edu. That's O-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H-S-C-I at ohsu.edu. Subscribe to the Oregon in the Workplace blog or follow us on our social media channels on either Facebook or Twitter to stay updated on current research, resources, news, and community events.